dear listeners, and welcome to episode 25 of Fans About Films. Thank you very much for sticking with me. I have a lot of content, and you listened to it. I really can't believe it. I am really, really humbled. And um, yeah, it's just going to continue. I am trying to find um, all the people on Twitter, just anybody who wants to talk to me and share his thoughts or her thoughts on movies and everything we love. And I found another very, very interesting person, and she's going to introduce herself now. Hello, my name is Claudia Carino, and I'm a filmmaker and actor, director, producer, writer. Uh, over here in Canada, I'm based out of Ottawa, Ontario, which is the capital of our country, um, as well as uh, I go back and forth between Ottawa and Toronto, and um, I'm just trying to make my way in the filmmaking world. Awesome. So you're doing everything, pretty much. Uh, yeah, but I mean, don't we all, when we start out in film, like you kind of just start a project and you take on every hat that you can, right? Yes, that's that's uh, depressingly true. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but um, just in speaking of like the most recent project I did, yes, I was wearing all of those hats. Um, but I started mostly as an actor. I went to theater school in Toronto um, so I studied theater performance there, and um, and through that training, we did a lot of self-creation projects for the stage through that training, and so I learned kind of a lot about how to collaborate and work with people and just to kind of create things for yourself. Um, and so then when I moved back to Ottawa to be closer to my family, I just kind of carried that training forward with me and met a lot of people here in Ottawa that are in the filmmaking industry. And I thought, hey, why not start making some films with these people that know so much more than I do about film? And so we got together and kind of created this collective and we pulled together a team and and uh, and yeah, I spent the last year making my first short film and it just so happened that I that I happened to co-direct it and, and produce it and and act in it as well. So uh, it was kind of like how Kevin Smith describes it, failing upwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> no, it was great. I honestly, I mean, I, I spent some of my childhood here in Ottawa, but I didn't really have time to explore a lot of the film community that is here in the city. Um, I mean, people think about Canada and you think about film and you think about Toronto or Vancouver, uh, Montreal, even a little bit, but there's quite a bit that happens here in Ottawa. And, um, and I was very excited to meet all the people that I had begun to meet. And, um, and so it just, yeah, it just kind of happened that I approached these people with an idea and, you know, we're all eager to work on projects and, and yeah, just kind of fell into place. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, those were the first um, cities that came to my mind when it was mm -hmm. like, oh, filmmaker, Canada. That's really interesting. I, I have another Canadian friend who I did an episode with. It was actually my very first um, English language episode. On this, we talked about Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had quite a lot to say about it. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, Canada, that, that's one of the few places I haven't been to in the world. My family travels a lot. Uh, my, my father works uh, in a lot of different countries. He is an artist. And uh, yeah, so, so he's, he's quite, um, he's on the road quite a bit. 
and we go with him whenever we can. And so I have visited the U.S. plenty of times, New Zealand, yeah. Japan. It's really awesome. But I always wanted to go to Canada because it seems like a pretty cool place to hang out, at least to me. <laughs> Do it. Come on over. Honestly, it's it's beautiful. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of like the U.S. where, you know, we have so many different uh, climates and, and that kind of thing. But it's... Uh, it's really nice. We're happy to have you. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, it really sounds like a pretty creative phase you uh, you went through. Uh, because in, in Germany, we we have stuff like that. But um, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of difficult to connect with certain people when you don't really study it. Because I guess mm -hmm. uh, when you live in the um, US and, uh, and Canada and everything, I guess you just, because you're so much closer to the to a filmmaking scene, uh, as you as you want to call it. So um, in in Germany, that's pretty much you know when when you say to to like a guy you meet in school or on the street, like I make movies, they're like what? Because yeah. they they just really can't quite imagine how you just can make movies. And so it was kind of uh, difficult for me in the beginning. But when I actually went and studied film for a few years, I met people like me and. Um, so it was great to come together and, and do something together. And then some of them um, yeah, are more successful than me now, of course. Right now, the, the filmmaking has fallen kind of to the wayside to uh, do some other projects, like this podcast, for example. <laughs> but but, I, but I, I'm eager to continue. I will also, uh, I think I should send you the link to my um, exam film, like I did. Uh, it's available with English subtitles. I think you are going to enjoy it because that's a topic I wanted to talk about. I find really interesting. Um, first of all, you as a filmmaker, how do you come to the themes you want to explore in your movies? Often, often they're based off of, they're based loosely off of like real experience. I mean, I myself am kind of the person that tends to you know, right from what you know. Um, I enjoy kind of those deep, personal, uh, dra dramatic kinds of stories. Um, so I like, I like to delve into kind of people and relationships with those around them. I'm, that's kind of where I find my, my comfort in that kind of thing. I, I don't do a lot of, uh, I just don't know if I have quite the creative vision to tackle like sci-fi and, uh, and that kind of thing just quite yet. Um, so, so yeah, I tend to focus more on like the personal relationship drama, uh, just cause it's, it, it, it's, it's more real to me and I, and I feel I can connect to it more and do it more justice as, as a creator as well. Yeah. That's totally understandable because I think, a lot of young filmmakers or like uh, aspiring filmmakers are kind of like that, you know. I mean, they 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 don't always have the resources, the money, the time, or even like uh, the talent in some cases to do something that's much bigger in terms of like sci-fi action and stuff like that. So they either do something that's like yeah, drama related and of course yeah, very character related. And so I. I'm kind of doing the same. Like when when you watch when you watch my film, I'm gonna send to you. It's um, I it's weird because I like to tackle really um, 
relationships like in a different way because it's not always like a love story or anything like one of my movies uh -huh. like it, it was it took place uh, within a marriage like because um one of my other films there are no english subtitles for it yet one of my films uh, it was called zero nine zero nine hundred and it was about a married woman who worked um uh, on a, um, a sex hotline like a Mm. And on, on a private sex hotline, so so she pretty much worked from home whenever her husband isn't isn't there. And one awesome. and one day I he <laughs> thank you. And one day he picks up the phone, and um, there's one of her um, shall I say customers on the phone. Mm -hmm. So and, and that's that's how he discovers at the end. It's pretty much like I think it's like a 15 minute short. And I just because I the, the idea just came to me one day. I was because like, um, how does this kind of person live? Because they are clearly not in the environment they're pretending to be when they're on a the phone. So um, so she she reads like magazines while she's uh, speaking with her clients, and, and all that, yeah. and like uh, alternates her um, her alias names. And it was I just was having fun with those different concepts. And the, the newest film actually um, takes place within a group of friends who have kind of weird relationships to each other because it's really weird. It's I do I don't really do much love stories because we uh, this kind of filmmaker like we are we like you said we tackle things we know from personal experiences, and I don't have much experience with like. Uh, close relationships like my, my, my one relationship I had lasted like for a year and mm -hmm. that was actually something that is kind of related to your movie as well um, which we're going to talk about later because um, my, um, my, my girlfriend at the time broke up with me when I moved to another city to study film and uh, okay. uh, like not right away but after a while she realized that I was kind of like becoming nerdier uh, while I was... <laughs> While I was studying film, you were, you were evolving. You were changing. That's what people do. Yeah, exactly. And and she couldn't she couldn't really cope with it. I mean, it was totally understandable for her. Like I, I was coming home here and there, but I was like, you know, it was this long, this distant relationship that that clearly wasn't working for her and for me. Uh, like I, I, I was, uh, I was willing to go on with it, but I, I understand that she actually said, you know, I, I have to break up with you. It's not, it's not going to work out, uh, uh, like for, for very much longer. And so I, I, I understood that uh, totally, mm -hmm. but so, so I'm, I have no beef against her. We still see each other from time to time. You know, we still chat. We are still, you know, we still get along. It's fine. Yeah. But, but that's actually so. Um, and since then, I haven't had a girlfriend. And it's so it's kind of difficult to kind of like behave in my films like, oh, I know how relationships go, you know, because you want to you kind of want to um, do do it justice in your films. And it's it's difficult when you don't really have that much experience with it. And so my my movies, um, yeah, they, they take place within very weird relationships where it's like a group of friends in, in my newest film and also a guy who is forced uh, to do something in his job that clearly is kind of unethical. You will see it when you see it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, very, I'm excited. Oh, I wish I had seen it already. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry. Talk more about it. <laughs> I, totally, I totally forgot. But, um, That's okay. But yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Because I mean, like, for me... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I don't have a lot of experience in the romantic relationship world. So yeah, I'm the same. If I'm going to do a story about people, then I, ha in my mind, I have to find other ways to make these people 
interesting because people love trouble. Stories love trouble. You need, you, you know, like people want, if you're doing a story about people, it's going to be about what are they hiding? What are their secrets? What is the trouble lurking underneath? Right. So, I mean, when I go into stories, I'm always thinking, okay, cool. Yeah. Great concept. Or if people are talking to me about stories, I'm like, yeah, cool. But how can we make it different? Because that's been done before. You know what I mean? So I, I love how, yeah, you're tackling these different kinds of relationships that perhaps people haven't really seen before. Um, that, you know, that's great. That's what, that's what we should be doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Because I was always kind of the underdog within my film class, because all the other people like to make like very, very dramatic stuff, like kind of kind of dark stuff. I had one friend who liked to tackle exploitation. And so his movies were always really, really, really brutal and over the top. And uh, I, I for one of them, I was the assistant director on it. So I actually uh, got to see how he how he worked. And he's pretty good at like um, directing his actors and uh, doing these special effect scenes and everything. I even was an actor in one of his short films as well. Cool. So it, uh, that was fun, like a, a weird exploitation film where we all wore masks and I get to shoot myself in the head at the end. So it's... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's totally... So, but it's actually Gunshot Fade to Black. There was no special effect involved there. <laughs> okay. But, um, uh, yeah, what I... Um, so, and I always wanted to stick out in a way that all these people, like, they... They make these kind of like artsy, dramatic projects. And I was like, I want to do movies that suit me. And so my movies always had like this quirky comedic vibe and uh, that never changed. Like I always um, tried to bring some humor and some of my own personality. And it, it really worked. It stuck out whenever the, the movies got shown back to back. Mine was the one that was very, very different. And, um, you know... Actually, watching the movie with like um, the, the people in charge and you know, the, the, the teachers uh, from the school and everything, and you get some laughs, like genuine <laughs> laughs for some scenes. That's such a great feeling. And was actually yeah. uh, with my newest film. There was one scene where I make a, a Caligula reference, like to the uh, film with Malcolm McDowell. Okay. There's a Caligula reference in it, and uh, nobody ever like on uh, whether on set. Or like uh, my parents or nobody got that, got that reference. And then when I showed it, like when it when it came to like, okay, which which grade are we going to get? Like, are we going, are we coming through? Like one of the teachers, when the Caligula reference came on, one of the teachers was like, <laughs> and I was like, yes, finally, <laughs> yay! <laughs> so that was great. So. Yeah, um, I wanted really, I really wanted to talk to you about your um, newest film and the plans you have with it because, um, as you said, it's going to be shown on a festival in August. Am I right? Uh, yeah. So my biggest project to date was yeah my short film called When I See You. Um, it is uh, a romantic drama, I guess you could say, just about two women kind of struggling to balance their relationship with their careers. Um, very two career-driven women, but the story comes to a head when their careers end up taking them in different directions, and it's just them kind of deciding, well, what do we want to do? What are we willing to sacrifice for each other? What is more important to us right now? Um, and they don't necessarily agree on what they want to do. 
Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's finished. We filmed it last fall in September, October of 2017, um, and uh, it's been submitted to film festivals. And it will have its first festival screening this August at the North Carolina Gay and Lesbian Film Festival in North Carolina in the States, um, which is very exciting. Unfortunately, I won't be able to go down to view it, which I'm kind of sad about. It would be quite uh, it'd be quite a road trip, but I just can't get the time off work to go and do it to go and watch it there. But um, I'm very excited to have it screened at a festival, um, just because it'll be great to have. Uh, to have it out there and be a part of that community um, because the film is, is well, I mean, I was lucky and it kind of catered to multiple categories. Um, it was, you know, a female uh, director, female producer, female writer, myself, uh, as well as an all-female cast and, and as well as the LGBT content. So I kind of had lots of uh, niche categories that it kind of fell into when I was submitting to festivals. So I'm hoping that it kind of gets picked up for a few more. Um, but yes, until then it'll be screened in August in North Carolina. So any of your listeners, if they're in North Carolina, go check it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Because, uh, that has yet to happen. Like I, my film playing on the, at some kind of festival, like uh, that would be really awesome. I, I, I should push for that sometime because I have several plans for some, uh, scripts I have written or like half written. There's, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, so it's just like you know finding the time, finding the inspiration. You never you never know, but yeah, I I watched your film. You sent it to me, and I found it very very lovely and also very realistic. Like it's it's brutally realistic in some ways because it's a problem that I think everybody at some point has to face in his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, and that's and that's how I really wanted to approach it. I mean it. It was kind of loosely, and I'm going to use the term loosely, very loosely, but it was <laughs> loosely based on, on a personal experience. But, um, but yeah, just because, I mean, I wanted to kind of put the two women on even footing, but yet I kind of needed to have an antagonist as well. And that's kind of what the character of B turns into, is she kind of turns into the bad guy, um, just with kind of how how stubborn she is in, in, in what she wants to do. Um, she's not willing to budge at all. And so she kind of becomes the antagonist for the protagonist, Kira. Um, and yeah, like I was saying before, I mean, I, you know, if you're going to take a, a normal everyday thing, like a relationship, then it's okay, cool. How do we bring in some trouble? How do we bring in that looming, that looming thing underneath that's going to drive this story and, and make the conflict happen. So that's what I really wanted to focus on was just the realism of it, the everyday things that we all go through, but don't really often like talk about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's kind of my problem because I'm a person who doesn't like conflict in his life. Like I'm mm -hmm. really, I'm me too, really, me too. I hate it. I hate <laughs> confrontation <laughs> because uh, I'm really easygoing and I just don't want to confront anybody with any problem. And so mm -hmm. um, I was criticized once for one of my short films that there wasn't any conflict in it. It was just like a bunch of things happen and that's the end. So uh, yeah, one one of I my feel like that would totally happen to me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one of my fellow students said, "Where's the conflict?" And I was first like, "What an asshole!" But then I realized like. 
yeah, he's kind of right. Like, movies need some kind of conflict. And so in my newest short film, there is a conflict, but it's much too easily resolved. Like, it's it's really, really mild. And that was also something my, my mother said. She's like, you know, I know you very well. And I know you just hate conflict. And so your film really reflects that. That it kind of takes place in an idealistic world where people are very quick to either forgive each other or to get along. And mm. that was kind of nice of her. And that was actually something that wasn't critiqued when I uh, showed it to the teachers. Like they pretty much, they pretty much said, you know, you should get like a a better cameraman who re because we we filmed it like with a um, with a hobby um, film club who have a lot okay. of who have a lot of experience, but um, kind of like self taught experience, and they were a very very fantastic crew, and I was able to film with two cameras at once sometimes, and just uh, doing some visual stuff I I wanted to try out. It's pretty much the the whole film. In terms of the editing, it's kind of like a homage to Edgar Wright's style of comedy. Ooh, okay. So you will really, really, really recognize it, even like in the first scene, you will see the influence there <laughs> pretty, pretty strongly, like the rhythmic, the rhythmic editing and stuff like that. But um, so, so, and he said, like, yeah, you should really push for like um, filming with, with someone who has a lot more technical experience, who can kind of like. Um, so you can um, evolve more but in terms of like writing directing leave it it's it's great it's great this way mm. it, it's totally fine and so i was like great because that's the stuff that was really important to me and um, yeah and that, that's my problem just i hate conflict and the way you said you you don't like conflict either it's pretty you know it, it's kind of like it's very realistic conflict in your movie it's pretty it's pretty harsh it's pretty personal and so i wanted to know because you have some you know you have very very intimate scenes you have also very emotional scenes what is your approach directing those like how exactly do you handle this on set um yeah it was it was an interesting exercise because i was yeah directing it but i was also performing in it um, so I had, I, I will admit <laughs> that I may have taken on more than I could chew with this project, uh, because it did get a little overwhelming at times. Um, however, how I approached the intimate scenes, um, was just, we had a, we had a close set. So I think in total, my crew was, uh, how many were we maybe like eight crew members, um, so for those intimate scenes, we had just a closed set. We didn't have anybody in that room that did not need to be in there. Um, just to help make, I mean, I, w I was quite comfortable. I kind of had to take the charge because I was leading the whole project, but I just wanted to make my, um, other actress, I wanted to make her more comfortable. So we had a closed set. Um, and, and, and I always like to bring humor to it. So like when we were, we had, you know, rehearsed blocking out the scene and kind of talked about what the movements were going to be. Um, and then when the time came to, um, you know, take off the clothes, uh, you know, I just kind of approach it with a bit of humor and I just, you know, yelled to the room and I was like, okay, like boobies are coming out. Are we cool with that? Yeah, <laughs> cool. Great. You know, and everyone was like, yeah, <laughs> nothing we haven't seen before. Um, so just, I always tend to just kind of make light of situations again it goes back to me not liking conflict if i reach confrontation with people it'll be me trying to make a joke or trying to like laugh about it so yeah that's same. how i kind of approach that is just get everybody comfortable 
Um, but but uh, the other actress, her name is Chayla Day. Uh, she's based out of Toronto um, right now, but she was fantastic. She was just so gung ho about everything, and she just she put her heart into this whole project, and she just loves acting so much. And so she was a dream to work with. And, um, and it was just kind of, it was just trying to find moments to connect with her as well, because I had to do a lot of back and forth as the director, but then also being her, her scene partner. And so I felt I had to do justice for her of being a good scene partner to her. And so whenever we had a moment on set, I would just try and check in with her and say, are you okay? Like, I'm, I'm here with you, even though I'm off talking to other people, like I'm not abandoning you. Like we are in this together. And, and I just wanted to try and make sure that I was constantly, uh, reassuring her that she was a part of this process. And it, if at any point she had feedback or input that I was going to listen to that, um, just so that she didn't feel like she was being yanked around and pulled around just cause it was, it was, we were moving very quickly, uh, through some of those things. So, yeah. So in terms of the intimate scenes, yeah, it's just about finding moment, you know, it's, it's kind of just about blocking out everything else. I really had to kind of split my focus and say, okay, I'm in this scene and I, I'm not worrying about that thing. And I'm not worrying about that thing. I am simply the actor right now. And my one job is to, is to connect to the scene and connect to my scene partner. And that's what I'm going to do. And, um, and we were just, I think we both went in with that mentality of just, you know, doing the job and being the actor and telling the story. And we, yeah, that's how we went into that scene. Um, and then in terms of the, the high conflict ones, yeah, it was just trying to, to find those moments in, in your life that you can kind of tap into where you felt the emotion of the character. Uh, I know Shayla had, you know, some, some techniques that she was using to kind of get into that moment. Um, but it was just, it was just letting it, letting it loose. You know, we filmed some of the, well, no, that's not true. I was going to say we filmed them on the last day, but no, we didn't. Um, (laughs) but it's just, yeah, it's just about keeping, keeping track of the flow of the story. And that was one thing that I really struggled with, with this project of being the director was, was keeping track of the emotional journey of the characters because you film things out of order, right? Mm. And so that's one thing that I kind of didn't pay enough attention to, I think, is just thinking about, okay, what's happened before? What's happening now? What's happening after? Where are we in the story? Okay, where do I need to be for this scene? Um, And that kind of thing. So I think for future projects, I'm definitely going to try and focus more on that just so that I can help my actors get into those moments easier just because yeah that was one thing that I felt especially on our last day it was just kind of like oh my gosh where are we what has happened (laughs) because it was a it was a three-day shoot but it was a jam-packed three-day shoot and so by the time we got to the last day I was just like I think we were all kind of just like okay cool what's left we still have this cool let's do it um So yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a learning experience for me, juggling both the director hat and the actor hat. But in, but in a way, I think it also helps me as well because I am an actor. So I kind of try to direct my actors the way that I would want to be directed, just in terms of the language and the communication and, 
and the specifics and, and that kind of thing. I let, I want to give them free reign, but I also know that for me personally, I like to have specific feedback on like, you know, am I looking too far this way or am I looking, you know, am I moving too much and that kind of thing. And those things are really important. I find for on camera, um, for actors is you have to have those specific movement placements, especially for continuity and that kind of thing. So I just try to direct my actors the way that I would want to be directed. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome approach. Like it, so you, you made it, uh, you made it very comfortable for everybody. That, that sounds pretty great because I have yet to shoot kind of like some, some scenes, uh, you did, you know, this, these very intimate, uh, quiet scenes between, between two people, um, which is which is something I haven't tackled yet. So um, it's going to be interesting when one day I, I um, you know, in a situation like that. And so yeah, I actually learned a lot from you right now. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. No, honestly, it's just. I mean, it's just about talking to the actors and just seeing what they were comfortable with. I mean, Chela was very comfortable with anything, uh, which is great. But I feel like not everybody will be. Um, you know, and and I and and going back to the whole realism thing. I mean, there's a moment where like my sheet in the film falls down. And so my breast is a little bit exposed, but that was a choice that I specifically made. Like I didn't want us to be fumbling with our sheet to try and like cover ourselves because in reality you probably wouldn't yeah. <laughs> um, if you're with someone that you're that comfortable with. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, that's something I found, I find always weird because it's, it's clearly be because it's because of rating reasons you know when yeah, when, when they definitely. when they lay next to each other and that and they're just you know it's it's these kind of perfect sheets that like uh, it, it goes to uh, to like it covers a woman's chest and it covers uh, and it covers with a man's crotch and everything and so but his whole uh, like upper body is exposed so it's it, it's so i I've, i always find it incredibly distracting and stupid and i like you know can can't you just find another way except for using sheets just like film it film it in a way where, where you think like okay maybe they're naked but you're just covering it up with a framing you know it's just it's really Definitely. it should be Definitely. easier you know it, it should be yeah. much easier than that it's it's so weird when whenever that happens and whenever you see actually a movie that's rated r or anything higher and so you actually so you're like hey at least you know this is and it might be gratuitous or something but no you can you know at least this is real except when you maybe do something character related where they are kind of uncomfortable around each other so you can do something with that clearly and have it like pg-13 but who knows yeah <laughs> definitely different approaches i know for me for this one is is i just i mean sheets were kind of all we had at the moment. And so I, I knew that I just didn't want to be distracting with trying to cover ourselves up. So I said, I said, if it falls, I was like, let it fall. I was like, I don't want us to be caught, you know, trying to cover it and, and that kind of thing. So that was a direction that I, that I took, but yes, definitely. I mean, there are so many other ways to, to go about it and especially, yeah, creative ways that will suit the story. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, uh, you know, it's also really brave, you know, Uh, showing yourself on camera and doing uh, very very you, you know stuff uh, of this range you know that's that's also very personal very intimate and it's that's actually a mistake i made for my first film N not to that extent but my first film was just something school related when i just started out doing some weird stuff and it was kind mm -hmm. of like a fake documentary about myself and my biggest hobby fantasy 
And so okay. it was kind of like, it was surreal because I was like the director and also the main star and I played myself and I had these fake interview sections with my brother. I think he had like a suit jacket on and he just came in and said, yeah, why do you like fantasy, sir? And all that. it was so stupid. It was totally stupid. And it, there's, <laughs> there are some sequences in it that are fine, but it's so... It's so weird, you know, seeing me, you know, dress up sometimes, you know, in fantasy gear and costume, hanging around with friends. And then I'm just trying to be myself. And, and sometimes, you know, my, my conscience actually comes alive and I'm talking to myself, like I'm standing in two different places. It's so incredibly stupid. And that is a mistake I will never make again. I'm like, I will never be the main actor in a movie I'm also directing. Maybe I can play like... I don't know, the, the stupid best friend or something, just just a minor character because I always have kind of like cameos in my films, but um, mm. I will never do this big of a role and direct myself. It's just it's just too much and you have to judge like, oh, maybe was I better in this take or was I better in that one? I think that's something that was also kind of difficult for you. Yeah, I was going to say, I totally agree. I, I, I think moving forward, at least at this point in my career, I do not want to direct and act in something at the same time uh just because it is there's it's just it's it's way too much responsibility on set um it's different like because i also have started to do like a lot of producing as well i'm totally fine like producing and like acting in something or like producing and directing in something just because when you're producer you're doing a lot of like the background work kind of beforehand yeah um so i'm totally fine doing that but yeah in the moment directing and acting it's it's a lot and i will say that i don't think i'm quite as good or finessed at it yet uh perhaps in the future i'll tackle it again but it was uh it was just it was it was a lot exactly yeah i felt i felt too stretched on set and i wasn't able to give the time to either job that i wanted to um because if i wanted to go off and kind of prep a character before a scene I couldn't because I had to talk to my crew that were setting up for the next scene and I had to, you know, delegate to them and talk to them or I had to go back and watch a take. Or if I was acting in a scene, I didn't have time to step out and, and watch the playback every time. And so I kind of had to trust my cinematographer, um, who was fantastic. His name's James Ramsey. He's amazing. Um, but I, but I wish that I had had more time to kind of step back and watch the playback so that I could then direct the scene a little bit better and say, oh, actually, you know what? That didn't work. I didn't like what I did there. Let's take that back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a lot to direct and act at the same time. And uh, it was definitely a learning experience for me. Yeah. To my benefit, with my project, I didn't have a crew. It was just myself. So... That made things kind of easier, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, easier in... or harder, yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Because yeah, I, I would like to do you know some 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 kind of acting gig again. You know, it would be fun, but uh, it's um, you know not not when I'm uh, totally under control because it's also something you know some big Hollywood stars do that, and sometimes it turns out extremely well, and I really commend them for it. You know, doing a very very difficult film like like Braveheart and also being like the star. It's, it's something that's, yeah. that's really, you know, that, that has to be demanding. And I'm always, but I always, I think I do some of these filmmakers kind of a disservice by kind of thinking they, they just want to put themselves more in focus 
because it's clearly conscious choice they made you know it's like you know they could have found a, the perfect actor for that part and you know just uh, stuck to directing but i think they actually wanted to promote themselves more at least with some projects you know with others you kind of get the get the feeling you know this is something very very personal and yeah. uh, something where they want to they just want to try out and see if they can you know it was a a, a dr- Ah, who was it? Um, Joel Edgerton with his directing debut. The what was it, the gift? The, the, oh yes, uh, I haven't seen that one, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the thriller, the gift. You know, he he plays uh, like the the psycho part, and uh, also is writing and directing the film, and that's you know for a first timer, it's incredibly well done, and I really mm-hmm. uh, props to people who can do it. You know, I at this moment I certainly can't. Yeah, definitely. I I need more practice at it as well. I mean, and I think it's I think it would be more challenging if you were you know, if I was an actor but I wanted to step out and do more directing. I think it's a little bit more challenging to direct people who are not yourself because then you really have to focus on communication and like those actors are not in your head. Like they don't know what you're thinking. If you're directing other people, I think it's 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 more of a challenge and a true testament to how you know, creative a director you are, if you can communicate to other people. Um, cause I think, you know, directing yourself is, is more, is easier because you're in your head and you know what you're thinking, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. But that, that is especially true. But, um, yeah, with other, with other actors, you have to communicate with them, telling them what you want, but not like commanding them in a certain direction. That's something I learned from, from studying film. It's like the, the, the teachers always said, don't direct, uh, like towards the um, direction you want to go. Like, like don't have a specific picture in your head and then say action, you know, and tell them exactly what that picture looks like, because that's really, really, that's not beneficial for, for anything, you know, because actors themselves can have a big influence on a certain role. You know, they can improvise, they can, uh, when they read the script and they like it, they can, um, tell you something about the character you haven't considered yet and uh, i that's what i always do i write uh, for my actors like a little a small biography like what their parents were doing um how the school was what the like like what their favorite song is so and i think that helps um some of the actors actually get into character but i also always tell them i'm open for anything you know if you have any any ideas just just do it and i'm i'm really i'm really glad for any suggestions because they they clearly uh, can have some some better ideas than just myself and what i also learned is i shouldn't write a screenplay alone uh, always when i when i had like a, a co-writer um that's huge that's a huge and great impact because they can come up with so many great ideas from one of my short films the ending was totally different and when i uh, said to to a friend, can you maybe look through this and kind of like uh, rewrite it? Like I don't know, I I just don't know what what to do. And then she wrote a totally different ending with, that worked much better. And that mm. was and so I was like, oh, this is great, because um, and this is something I I will do. Yeah, like never never do something um, alone in the writing department. My my newest film I'm about to send you. It's I wrote it with a also he's also a director filmmaker. Um, and actor who um, who did uh, some stuff and I approached him with like have you any ideas for the script and then he wrote several pieces of dialogue and he came up with 
a, a subplot I hadn't thought of, and that was uh, actually one of the funnier plots of the movie. Uh, it turned oh. out, and so I was, it was, I was incredibly happy because yeah, he had certain ideas I I couldn't come up with, and so he's, um, and so I was very glad how it turned out. You you will uh, you will see when you see it, of course. But cool, yeah, no, that's something that I that I haven't really thought about is yeah, co-writing with people. Um, I, like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll always give feedback on the projects that I work on, uh, or if I'm, you know, asked to direct or produce something, I'll, I'll always ask the writer, you know, are you open to feedback and I'll, and I'll give feedback, but, but to actually, yeah, sit down and, you know, like co-write and give people the freedom to like add ideas and, and change things that that's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's probably something that I should do more of. Definitely. Yeah. So I think, I, I think, you know, your cinematographer is also credited as the uh, co-director, um, yeah. So I think he, you know, whenever you were on camera, I, I'm pretty sure he handled some of the, uh, you know, some of the staging and and helped you and helped you out of everything. Was that a part? Was that the plan from the very beginning, or was this something that kind of just developed during the process? Um, no, that was that was planned from the very beginning when when I brought him on uh, as cinematographer because I had met him on set of someone else's small short film and. And we just started chatting and he was telling me because he has his own um, videography company. He owns a company called skytography.ca and he got his beginnings in drone videography. Um, but he wanted to branch out more into like narrative filmmaking. And so I said, hey, awesome. I'm trying to put together this film crew. Like, come on over. You can be my cinematographer. And then we started talking and I was sending him earlier drafts of the script that uh, did not have any conflict, I'll add. And he was the one that pushed me to add, like, conflict. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, in the earlier stages, he said, yeah, I'm more than happy to come on, but would you be willing to share the directorship role? Um, and I said, yeah, you know what? That actually makes good sense, um, especially since I'm going to be on camera for the majority of it. It would really help to have, yeah, those kind of those outside eyes um, to watch the, to watch the playback. And it was just, and I, and I also, I wanted my film to kind of be a learning experience for everyone involved because I knew that it was going to be such a learning experience for myself. Um, and so for him, if he wanted to kind of get more experience with narrative filmmaking and narrative storytelling, then I was like, yeah, you know, for sure. takes, take the lead on some of these um, scenes and kind of, you know, map out how you want it to go and, you know, all kind of focus on like the acting side of it. But like, if you want specific things from us, like, please tell us. And so I, I trusted him with that and I, and I let him take on that. And of course he had a lot on his mind, you know, navigating the shots and the camera equipment and, and all that as well. But, but I definitely trusted him with kind of his feedback and his, and his opinions and, and, um, and yeah, we, we worked well and he, he was very supportive and, and I felt like he had my back and, and I had his back and we were just going to kind of get through this project together. So I was really happy to have him on board cause he definitely took on those roles, uh, very strongly and was very willing to take on those roles. Oh, that's great. What you just described made a lot of sense uh, when you watch the film, because it's, it's certainly 
because I was like, wow, who did these drone shots? You know, they're, yeah, <laughs> they're great. You know, it's 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 a it's a great style, and you know, uh, your you know creative directing and you know technical directing coming together very very well. And so I I, I take it from what you described that these drone shots were yeah pretty much created for your film, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Like some of the coolest shots in this film were like all him. Um, like um, there's, you know, what we call the oneer when the character Kira comes into the apartment and we follow her through the apartment. Like that was all his idea because he has those, um, he has the Ronin, uh, the ready rig. So, you know, that's like, uh, it helps balance out his camera to get those really smooth shots and You know, and he wanted to get the one, like, from the perspective of the suitcase when the suitcase gets pulled into the room and just all the cool shots were him. Uh, you know, the side of the car, like, that was all his equipment and all of his stuff. And so I, I knew that I was so fortunate and so lucky to have him on because he had access to all this stuff and he had kind of that that cinematographer eye to, to think about, okay, how are we going to make this shot interesting, you know? How are we going to make this tell the story? Um, so he really brought in to the director role. He really brought in that kind of director of photography role as well, which is really cool. Oh yeah, that's great. It's really noticeable, especially like the the one hour you were talking about. It was kind of like what you would see in a Spielberg film. I don't know if you have seen that one video essay by by Tony Zhao, um, like Every Frame a Painting, where he talks about the Spielberg one I have not. It, it's a great. Send me the link to it. I'll oh yeah, watch it. I will do. It. It's a very great uh, video essay series, and uh, he discovered something because Spielberg does a lot of you know long takes, but they're not that long. They are long enough to very very smoothly um, kind of like doing do a scene, but they are not long enough to. Uh, so they call attention to themselves. Uh, they they really yeah. they really suit the style and the film. Sometimes he wants you to notice. Sometimes it's very very um, obvious stuff. But they're sometimes just like over a minute long. But they're still you know they they really they they, they take you to uh, to the point where the scene wants you to take to. And it's it's a very interesting essay. I will send you the link to it. So I discovered a lot. And after not long after the video, I watched a Bridge of Spies which came out mm. at the time, and there I noticed it. I was like, oh my God, yeah. where is it? Where is it? The Spielberg Warner, it exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah, I love that, how like different directors have like their different things. And and for us especially, putting that in is, is because I wanted to kind of emphasize the fact that it was being told, the story was being told from that character's perspective, from Kira's perspective, even though it is a story about both the women, um, I just wanted to kind of, yeah, throw in more tidbits that focused more on Kira. And so to have that shot where you're literally following her and following her perspective through this beautiful apartment that we, um, that we found and, uh, and rented out for this shoot, it was just kind of our way to kind of just show off all the, all the elements of, of the production. So yeah. yeah, it was kind of fun to throw that in. It's called visual storytelling people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some so some something not not enough people do. I think the last I think the last big film who did visual storytelling really well was Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> mm, I okay, that is on my list of films to watch. I've heard such great things about that that film. I need to I need to watch it. I oh, need yeah, to sit down and do it. And everything about it is true. 
because it's it's kind of amazing how he, this film actually brings visual storytelling back with just yeah. a few distinct shots you get the world you get the relationship of the characters it's amazing mm -hmm. how little dialogue actually is in it and it's beautifully mm -hmm. done i mean it's very very stylized of course but it's it's a it's a fascinating movie to watch and also there's an interesting detail because the editor of the movie was actually a woman Ooh. and um, she never uh, edited an action film before and George Miller the director approached her with a project and she said I, I never edited an action film before why do you want me and he's like well if I, if I let a man edit it it would just look like any other action film Ah. And it's it's really you know it, it it's kind of noticeable how he and he and she won the Oscar for best editing that year so it's yeah so it's it's really awesome to you know sometimes how how people just uh, go with their guts and uh, just say you know I think I think I can trust you with this I think um, or maybe like I know your work I know I know you do great work it's it, it's really great how sometimes uh, people just you know kind of surprise you with some decisions and it's it's really great that even in uh, in the days of today you know where everything is kind of like ruled by by a blockbusters and tent poles and like uh, things and, and sequels reboots series yeah. uh, comic books everything you know it, it's great to see that spark of creativity here and there even within those specific genres yeah i totally agree Like you know, doing letting like a, a, a weird filmmaker like James Gunn, you know, direct uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and bringing and let him bring a certain style, approach, and humor to it that you wouldn't get from any other a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Because I was a fan of his uh, before he made Guardians of the Galaxy. He did, a, and always it's always weird when I talk with people about that. But he made he made a series. It's on YouTube. It's called PG Porn. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally and it's like uh, I think it says in the opening or in the closing credits it's like it, for people who love everything about porn except the sex and it's uh. it's uh, it's just a, a series of sketches where they don't do anything like you know you know where you don't do anything uh, sex related but it's just like you know that certain dialogue you see in, in, in some of these movies and they always do something funny with it because at one point it's kind of like a, a found footage film at one point it's a musical uh, in one of the shorts they do a, a, a Peanuts parody you know with the Charles and Schultz Peanuts characters yeah um, it's incredibly funny and that uh, I, I think that was the first thing I watched because uh, someone recommended it to me and I was like what what is this and when I watched it I was like oh my god this is gold this is so so incredibly funny and I watched this film Super which is you know very satirical and uh, and kind of like you know um, ah what's, what's the word it's it's very It's very satirical and uh, mean, you know, kind of like it's mm. it's a pretty pretty dark film, but it's also yeah. it's also funny. So it's yeah, when you have when you have a certain director, and I never know how this goes, you know, when the studio executives, what projects of you do they see and say, you know, this guy uh, seems to be perfect for our uh, comic book series, you know, which 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 film did they see, you know, because sometimes. They just hired directors because they did something that was successful. Uh, case in point, yeah. uh, Jurassic World. Yeah. 
where he, you know, where just this indie filmmaker who did like one movie beforehand, he just happens to direct Jurassic World and it makes $1.6 billion. And then they say, okay, do whatever you want. And the, um, the result is the Book of Henry. Mm. <laughs> which was which was a fascinating disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, for that guy, he had the help of it being Jurassic World. I mean, it's it's a franchise reboot, so I think regardless of who was directing it, it probably would have had that same amount of audience members. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, you know, because you yeah. know, the, the success was totally unrelated to him. For sure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And that's that's always difficult because, uh, but because I think the success of Guardians of the Galaxy was because of James Gunn, because of his style, of his humor, his personality, because that comes through, and it was something right. that was established beforehand. You know, some directors can do this, even some directors who haven't done a big budget film before, and some who maybe had like uh, you know a very personal voice in their smaller projects, they totally get lost in the. In the committee, in the you know, within all the producers and everything, do you know the story behind the "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids"? No. The, there what there is was this? something uh, because um, um, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." I think you know that film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually the concept, and was based on an idea of Stuart Gordon, who is actually the director of movies such as like um, uh, Re- the Reanimator and From Beyond these really weird grotesque exploitation films uh, which are okay. you know which are very interesting but they're also very free you know you clearly he clearly didn't have anybody who looked over that and said you know don't do this and do this instead you know he was a very free filmmaker and he mm-hmm. had this story you know about you know kids who shrunk themselves and then they have to survive and yeah, it turns very. The movie is a very kind of family friendly. Yeah, exactly because he turned it. He was supposed to direct it, and he sold the idea to Disney, and he left the project because he couldn't deal with with those Disney suits. They had mm. a, a pre production meeting, and he literally got a nosebleed from just dealing with those assholes. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, oh my god. because some some people who are that creative and free, they just can't handle people who tell them no to certain stuff. You know, it's yeah, and that's totally understandable because sometimes you have to you have to bite in the sour apple if that makes sense. Yeah, you, you know, you, sometimes you have to you have to kind of put your ego aside but but his in his case you know it was like <laughs> I, I can totally understand it because i think doing something like that for disney must be really hard which still surprises me that gore Verbinski got away with certain things he put in his pirates and lone ranger films mm. have you have you seen the lone ranger i i i uh that's the one with army hammer yeah. and jump Dad, right yeah i've i don't think i've seen the whole thing but i've seen parts of it yeah because I can't believe that Disney actually let him make that the way he did because it's this close to being a hard R. Mm. It's only, it's just, it's, the only reason it's not R is because it's Disney. Because the stuff yeah. in it with a cannibalistic villain who eats a man's heart and all of that <laughs> weird, weird stuff that happens. And also some of the Pirates films, you know, 
they get so brutal and dark at certain places. I'm like, I'm really shocked that Disney actually let him uh, uh, let him get away with it. It's yeah. <laughs> I honestly, though, like, like I love the Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, the first three. Yeah. Four and five, not so much. But, like, the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie changed my life. Oh. So, like, soundtrack, story, acting, like, that movie was one of the biggest influences of, like, me wanting to get into, like, filmmaking is because I loved everything about it. And I loved how the idea came from something as simple as, like, an amusement park ride. Yeah, it something. I, just, but... <laughs> I loved how the world just kind of evolved around this one idea. And, like, ever since then, I've been trying to find, like, inspiration to, like, create that kind of same thing where you take one simple idea from your from your life and it evolves into, like, this huge, huge fantasy world. Yeah, and it's also the own. That's, that's a tangent, but <laughs> yeah, oh, no, no problem. Um, my podcast is all about tangents, as, as you figured <laughs> out, I think. But um, yeah, that was the only. I think it was also the only movie that was based on a ride that actually was successful, because they yeah. tried they tried it numerous times, and it never worked. It, it, and I think yeah. it was uh, it was because they took so many liberties, and now they actually made the ride more like the film. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, yeah. Yeah, I've been we, to it since they like updated it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been too. It's awesome, you know, with a with a you know a Jack Sparrow uh, puppet in it, and also the yep. uh, the, the uh, Jeffrey Rush animatronic. It's awesome, but it's mm-hmm. uh, also the the, Jap- the one in Japan. I think in Tokyo, it's it's something like hugely different, and it's pretty much all, it, it's like a mixture of uh, real stuff and like uh, computer generated stuff on several like. It looks so weird. I mean, they, they spare no expense in those. But yeah, that's a that's a um, example of a director who just you know has certain creative ideas and goes totally against the ruling of a studio. Who they wanted to fire Johnny Depp because of his weird performance they didn't understand. And the director okay. said no. And yeah, yeah, actually, actually, he's. They said like, what is he doing with his hands? Like, is he drunk? Is he gay? <laughs> Like, you know, they, they were so scared because the, the part was a, a originally written for something like, you know, like a Burt Lancaster or like a, a Hugh Jackman would, would have would have been played. Or like Matthew McConaughey, uh, I think, was approached with the role at one point. And yeah. he wasn't he wasn't supposed to be this big. And then Johnny Depp just did his rock star Keith Richards thing. And it was yeah. the best thing about the film. But the Disney executives, they were horrified. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I imagine. But, oh, thank God. Thank God he stayed, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't have been but, nearly as big as it was. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, uh, that's an example of a director, you know, trusting his actor and saying, you know, he's onto something. Have you noticed, because that's something I learned in film school, in that one scene where he has, uh, in the first Pirates movie, and he has his new crew, and he mm-hmm. meets his new crew first time, and then there's Anna Maria, and like, Jack, you stole my boat, and all that stuff. Did yeah. you notice that Johnny Depp throughout the whole scene just holds a banana in his hand? Nope. Yeah, he does. I've never noticed that. And the only because he never does anything, he just has a banana in his hand, and that's just because he said to, he went to the director that day and said, "You know, I want to do the scene holding a banana." And the director was like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. You know what? Yeah, character choices. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he had so many weird ideas too. Like one of his ideas was uh, his nose. Uh, was like cut off during a fight and just badly sewn back 
together, like sewn back on his face. And so he was terribly afraid of sneezing because when he sneezed, the nose would fall off. That was one of his, oh. that was one of his ideas where they said no no just no really we can't we can't do this and i think and i think they kind of reworked the idea with um, with a guy with a wooden eye i think they mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, uh, the that was the origins of that uh, spe- specific gag but yeah just you know yeah. just just one of those examples yeah so, sorry about the tangent folks but you know how it goes on this podcast that's <laughs> that's all about it you know <laughs> but no yeah i love that movie and that soundtrack like uh, I used to listen to that soundtrack on repeat. I actually, I run and I work out to the parts of the Caribbean soundtrack. Is that weird? <laughs> no, like, no. It motivates me so much. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I'm part of a podcast where we talk about film music and uh, certain uh, different people say it's great workout music. So it's totally yes. fine. <laughs> and like, and I just, yeah, I just, uh, Hans, I mean, Hans Zimmer in general is like, I could listen to all of his stuff on repeat. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, that theme, so good. So good. It honestly, it made me want to almost pursue music, like go to music school. I wasn't a good enough musician, but that soundtrack made me want to pursue music just so I could like, like be, a um, be in an orchestra like that. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to several film concerts you know, actually met Danny Elfman in person once, mm. which was great. You know, took a photo with him and he signed some of my booklets I brought. It, it was great. You know, I, I actually saw him perform What's This live with uh, with an orchestra. It was amazing. And I um, a few weeks ago, I went to a John Powell concert where he was there in person. That was great. At James Newton Howard, where he actually conducted the orchestra. And there was at, cool. and there was at one Hans Zimmer orchestra where he wasn't there in person, but he might as well have been because uh, he had uh, video files. Like they always uh, between the sections, they played video files uh, of him talking about the scores. And uh, in one section, Ron Howard was with him, and in oh, another cool. section, like a different director or like a, a musician, and and that was great. So his spirit was in the whole room, and they played a, a pirate suit kind of like as a bonus at the very end. It wasn't on nice. the original program, and they played it. They played uh, the, the, the "Will You Marry Me" sequence from the third movie when they're okay. fighting, and they yeah. played it almost uh, synced up to the scene that was going on behind them on a huge screen. It was amazing oh, cool. because that's a, I think "Pirates Free" is my favorite soundtrack of Zimmer's career to date. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mm, yeah oh of his of his career yeah got it yeah yeah yeah. of of his career to date it's my 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 favorite soundtracks um uh, all in all are a lot of rings uh, soundtracks I actually Mm -hmm. have all the extended uh, editions um as CDs uh, which is great my second favorite soundtrack is John Powell's How to Train Your Dragon. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. Oh, it's so awesome. So yeah, that's that's just my <laughs> that's just my weird thing with film music and stuff. But yeah, the pirates movies brought a whole new generation of uh, score fans um, to mm-hmm. the, to the surface. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because it was so easy to relate to and uh, just something kind of new in this particular genre. You know, not only the movies itself kind of reinvented the pirate genre. The music did as well because it did. It doesn't sound like the typical swashbuckling music. It sounds, you know, something. 
it sounds much more modern. It sounds like, you know, some, some leftovers from like Crimson Tide and for rock and stuff like that. You know, they just made it its own thing. And originally it was supposed to be Anne Silvestri composing for the film and he got, um, he got fired pretty late in the process. So, um, oh, really? yeah. So Hans Zimmer and his crew were kind of like a replacement. So who oh, wow. knows, who knows how it would have turned out. Um, yeah. when Anne Silvestri did, you know, it would have been something much more traditional, I think. So I would love to hear like some of the samples of that. But I think because one year later Van Helsing came out and he did the soundtrack for that and there's one kind of swashbuckling uh, bombastic theme in it that sounds pirates-like. Sounds like it could have been. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like it could have been like a leftover, you know, oh, I can't I can't compose for a Pirates movie where I'm just going to grab this theme and use it for fan housing and, and it works pretty yeah. well. ideas definitely that's funny yeah 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 i'm always curious about stuff like that um but that's that's maybe a topic for for another time so um (laughs) before we before we close this lovely chat is there anything else you want either to ask or want to add about your experience working in this uh, particular business um no, I mean, just like on my end, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to like stretch my wings in, in all directions. I, uh, I'm still working with my people here in Ottawa. It's kind of fun. I mean, in the theater world, we talk about having theater collectives where you kind of find your people that you enjoy working with. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying about like, you know, film schools, you only really meet people through film school. The same thing kind of happens in like theater school as well as you meet people who are who are like you and they're eager to create and and that kind of thing. And so that was that was a blessing coming out of theater school was having these actors and these people that I enjoy creating with and that I know how to communicate with and and that kind of thing. And so I've kind of been bringing that concept over into the film world and finding like a film collective of of, you know, your handful of people that you can call on any time to say, Hey, let's put an idea together and let's, you know, make it happen. And everybody just falls in line and does what they need to do. Um, so I've kind of, yeah, I've been starting to develop that here in Ottawa. And, uh, and I have a friend who's asked me to, uh, direct another short film that we're doing for a film competition. I think it's for, um, the company Aperture Tech. They do lighting equipment, I think. Uh, and so they have a film competition, um, where you just have to basically submit a film that kind of focuses on lighting. And so we're going to tackle that and submit that. Um, but I'm just, I'm just so eager to, since I didn't study film, I'm just so eager to continue to meet new people and to be on sets for different people and just learn as much as I can, uh, firsthand and see people in action because that's how it all began for me was I started being, uh, background actors and, and, and just actors for some of the people 
uh, here in the city on their sets and, and I saw things that I liked and I said, cool, I want to work with that person. Cool. I want to learn from that person. And that's kind of how my journey has begun here in the film industry. So yeah, moving forward, just going to keep creating and, uh, keep learning. That's all we can do. That's awesome. You know, learning by doing, that's a pretty nice approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is there any any other question like you want to ask me or anything like about I don't know is there something else you want to talk about um, especially uh, about the this this kind of stuff we, we both do for some reason <laughs> yeah I mean so what what else do you have coming up like do you have any uh, film projects in the works well I'm I am working on a script right now it's supposed to be my first actually feature length film And Ooh. I am I, I'm trying to get it done. I actually wanted to be done with it right now, but it's 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 difficult because it's um, it's kind of like um, in in terms of a style and approach, it's similar to Kevin Smith's Clerks, but not exactly. Okay. It, it's just kind of like the same concept, you know. It's it's all in one workplace, and it's about a person who comes in, you know, at the morning and leaves in the evening. So it's it's going it's it's all going to take place and. Uh, in one location at one day it's just a quirky little idea I'm, i'm trying to get across and uh, some of the dialogue i have written down is it's pretty funny it's it's pretty solid but there is no there's no noticeable structure in it and that's something i'm i keep struggling with so i hope at one point i can i can figure it out how i actually kind of make it into a free act thing but maybe it's going to be something much more experimental uh than that but it should be it should be kind of easy you know to shoot it all in one location and i i want to uh i actually want to sell it um like to to a tv channel here or maybe even for if a studio wants to pick it up because it's it's not something that's going to be hugely expensive so mm -hmm. i really hope to have uh, have that you know kind of like my ba my breakthrough in a in the professional field yeah definitely it definitely sounds like it could have a kind of yeah uh, like almost kind of a culty following to behind it you know once it gets uh like you know like movies like the room and stuff where like everybody <laughs> like shows up and you know throws spoons or whatever well i hope i hope it you doesn't have, get this could become the next big thing where people you know show up and start you know making up their own things for this That film, would be, that'll be really cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome, but I hope it doesn't earn the same reputation as the room. <laughs> no, it'll obviously be better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I hope so. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah, I, I did a German podcast episode about the room with a friend who hadn't seen it before. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah. I, mean, I, also, I also haven't seen it. I just know of it. So. Oh, yeah. You, you really should. You really should. It's something you can, you can learn from a lot. And you should also read um, the book, The Disaster Artist, based on the shoot, you know, written by one of the main actors it's some it's a book every filmmaker should read because i learned yeah. so much from it and it's it's something it's not only a fantastic read it's very very funny it's it's even funny if you haven't seen the film but you should see the film beforehand it's it's an amazing <laughs> book and the film based on it is also pretty solid uh yes yeah yeah, yeah. that's the one with the the franco Brothers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. With Franco, Tommy Wiseau, and everything. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty funny movie. When the book it's the book is so great. I read it several times. It's it's uh, it's very it's something you can learn from constantly. And I actually said in one of my videos, you should you should read this book no matter what. If you want to study film, if you want to make films, this is essential. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll add to the list. Great, great. Do you so um yeah, writing but going back to your to your idea, writing a a feature is uh do you do you find there's a lot of difference in writing like a feature as opposed to a short? Because it's something I've never done either, but I would definitely want to look into because you were mentioning structure. Yeah. Like have you been doing like research on how to kind of structure more of a feature story and that kind of thing yeah yeah that's what i keep struggling with because i don't approach screenwriting in the traditional way because most writers kind of like figure out the story first and all the beats and then Mm. they write the dialogue around that you know oh this is going to happen now but i just like to have an idea and then just start writing and see where the characters take me and right. just just seeing, you know, what what are we doing now? You know, what what is happening next? I never know what's happening next. And so at one point I was like, maybe she should have an ex-boyfriend who comes in right now. And then he comes in and I just keep writing and the scene unfolds. And at one point I stop writing and realize, wow, this guy is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Is you're yeah you're writing for like the story and the characters and then yeah you can like format it later. Yeah, but uh, I think that, that that works much better for a short film than a than a long, than, than a feature length because I I, I have a, you know I have a feeling maybe this idea can't hold a whole feature. Who knows? You know I, I keep I keep working on it, but I I don't I I think it helps to figure out with a feature length film where the story's going to go and how it's going and how it's going to end and what development the characters are are going to go through i think i think that yeah. helps especially with a long film because um yeah with this kind of unstructured writing it can work it, it certainly can but i don't know if i have yet the chops for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fair but something something <laughs> we have to keep in mind is just you know just always try you never know what what will succeed and I will, I will keep trying. I will keep uh, getting this off the ground. And I really hope uh, at, at one, I really hope one day, finally the you know the cameras roll on the first scene of that. It's, it it would be really amazing because I also that's also a theme with my films. I, I like to I like to write interesting female characters because I have the funny thing is I have a lot of female friends who have boyfriends or or are engaged. So there's mm. never so there's never like this unspoken problem of you know may we may we not you know because that's always out of a question so that really helps um getting into a very very interesting and different relationship with these um uh, several female friends i have and so we understand each other on a on a different level and so i my approach of writing female characters uh, therefore is pretty pretty different from from everybody else and so i i wrote a you know a good chunk of certain short films where i have kind of kind of you know an out there female characters just because of my experience with with the other gender <laughs> yeah which was never you know uh, romantic in any way no yeah i love that it totally makes sense yeah just and know, i think you'll yeah you'll probably have some really cool ideas Oh yeah, through that as well. Yeah, thank you so much because it's always you know write about stuff you know about, and mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of what I know about. You know, I, I think I think I get uh, I get certain people in a specific way and just see where the journey takes me, 
And um, that's, you know, that's always something. And also, you know, at one point having like a female co-writer on one of my projects really helped getting a mm -hmm. different perspective. And so I, I really hope that um, I never fall into the trap of like representing anybody in a, in a way that, that is kind of like, I don't know, mean-spirited or seems like I don't know what I'm talking about. I just hope, you know, I just hope I create interesting and likable characters who people want to follow. And, you know, sometimes it seemed to work. So, you know, I, I will just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have, I have a few ideas in development for feature scripts as well, but I just, I'm the same. I, I, I haven't sat down to really like push to get them done just because I, you know, develop all these ideas in my head, but I, I don't know how to actually like put them down on paper in a cohesive, like story and structure. So I think, yeah, I need to kind of sit down and work on that as well. Oh, that's awesome because, you know, we, uh, we, us little filmmakers, we have to stick together. So if you have any of, <laughs> you know, if, if you struggle again with, with any kind of like script, you know, you can send it to me. I'm pretty good at rewriting stuff. I did this several times and, uh, to the benefit of a project. Yeah. I, uh, well, definitely. And, and especially since you, uh, you have, you like humor and I think you have like a quirky sense of humor. And I don't, I don't write humor at all. So I for sure sometimes will need an outside perspective. <laughs> oh, that would be great. So whenever, you know, whenever you need help, just send it to me. I am, uh, I, I'm eager to help. I, I really, cool. I really would, would love to, to put my, my work out there and just, and just help people whose work I really like and respect. And, um, you know, you, uh, online, you meet just the, the coolest and interest and most interesting people. And that's why I love uh, this podcast project that started kind of like as a small joke with some friends. And then it developed into something much bigger where I now have interviews with, with certain composers. I want yeah. to get other composers on the show and also like other people who maybe work in screenwriting or directing, like anybody who, um, who has much more experience than me or maybe like a certain amount of experience just like me. It's, it's a great project and um, it's not going to stop anytime soon. I still love doing this and it gets a lot of good feedback. And um, yeah, I just um, I just hope uh, people uh, keep listening to it. I, I'm really, like I said, dear listeners, I'm really humbled that you are willing to stick with uh, my the ramblings of me and my guests. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, this is great. Honestly, yeah, keep keep going on this. This is a great podcast. And and who knows, maybe one day you'll be, you know, you'll chat with the next uh, the next great, and you'll say, you know what, I I knew them before they were even big, you know. Yeah, I chatted with them. Yeah, that would be. Or you yourself, I'll be like, hey, you know what? I was on uh, this guy's podcast way back when, and <laughs> now he's this huge writer and filmmaker, and you know, it'll it'll happen. Oh, that would be awesome! Thank you so much. <laughs> so, um, uh, in conclusion, um, where can people find you and your work in the uh, net of the internet? <laughs> Um, you can find me on Instagram at Claudia Carino, uh, as well as on Twitter at Claudia dash Carino. Um, and in terms of my work right now, not a lot of it is available publicly just because it is on the festival circuit. So it does have to maintain a certain privacy setting. Um, but keep looking out for my work, uh, on YouTube. I have my channel Claudia Carino on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of covers of me singing on there as well. So you can just ignore those, but, <laughs> but, uh, 
but um but yeah keep following me on social media and and i update that very regularly on my upcoming projects and um yeah i'll meet you guys all there that's awesome thank you also your name i find very interesting what are the origins of your name because it doesn't sound very american um it's italian my father's italian thought so so uh <laughs> carino carino is italian if i were the spanish is carino with that little hat on the end yeah um but it means uh carino means like cutie or dear one sweetie that kind of thing <laughs> and claudia i guess is all over Oh, that's, that's awesome, great, because that's what I thought. I was like, ah, huh, that's interesting. I have to keep reminding myself that I have to ask her about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good, because I actually have a Swedish um, first name. <laughs> oh, yes. Which is, is it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Swedish name, which is always funny, because my parents are big Sweden fans, and so me and my three brothers, we all have Swedish first names. It just, nice. it, it just stuck with them. <laughs> it, it became a tradition. <laughs> Have you always lived uh, in Germany? Yeah, always. Um, my, okay. my, my parents just uh, went to Sweden a few times during vacation also and brought us with, and they were big fans of, um, certain, of a certain book series by Astrid Lindgren, who also wrote uh, Pippi Longstocking, and, oh. um, uh, which are Swedish books. And there were, um, certain, there were certain stories about kids who had our names, and so they liked these names and just named us after them. And uh, yeah, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank you so much. So yeah, it, it's always uh, you know it's today always funny reading those books and then saying, hey, this is the origin of my name. <laughs> yeah, I found out too. My mom told there was uh, there was an old TV show called Dynasty, which they've now remade. Um, but my mom was telling me that she loved the name Claudia because of one of the characters on that TV show. And so uh, now, anytime I hear Dynasty, I I think of how my name also was kind of from that show as well. So yeah, it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Another thing we have in common now, kind of. <laughs> yeah, we're named after fictional characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That all the best people are. <laughs> yeah, right? Just how I meet all the best people on Twitter. <laughs> as Wendell Jones said, one of my other guests. But yeah, oh, yeah. Um, in conclusion, thank you so much for being a guest on here. I had a lot of fun chatting with you. I learned a lot. Um, it was really interesting uh, listening to your approach of directing, listening to your inspiration and just everything um, you had to say. It, it's always great, you know, meeting these different people, getting them on the show and just uh, see what they're all about. And yeah, you... Um, You just you just brought so much to this, and it won't be the last time you'll be a guest on here. Trust me. Ah, thank you. Yes, no, it was so much fun being on here. Thank you for having me. Um, I also learned a lot from you. I feel like we're kind of at similar places in our careers, so I think it'll be really exciting to uh, keep in touch and and see where things go. Yeah, yeah, it would be awesome. Maybe this is the beginning of a great working partnership. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Oh yeah, that would be that would be totally cool. So uh, people look out for future projects and also future episodes uh, where she will certainly be um, be a guest again. Um, so yeah, um, you, dear listeners, can find me, of course, 
on Facebook and on Twitter at Lasse Vogt. I have a YouTube channel, The Depart, where you can find all my short films, my film reviews, my videos, uh, movies in five seconds, uh, some riff videos, everything. You can pretty much find everything there. Um, and uh, I write German soundtrack reviews for scoregeek.wordpress.com. Also got a lot of great feedback there. And this podcast you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes. Fans about films, stick with it. So, uh, dear Claudia, thank you again so much. Thank you. <laughs> and we both say goodbye and good night. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>